0: And here we are, Owen Livesey. How are you doing, my friend? How are you holding up?
1: Good mate. So um, I've had better times than during <laughs> COVID, but doing what I can just to get through it, mate. Really.
0: Well, this is it. I mean, you managed to stay busy still. Like I remember watching your match with um Sam Quinn fairly recently. I mean, congratulations on that. Because again, as much as it is a a draw
1: with no sub, it's a bit like mm, so, how nah, that went. Well, <laughs> yeah, mate. Like seriously, like if I hadn't. If it was like normal times and we've been competing quite a bit, I wouldn't have done that. Um, I, I hadn't trained that much because we'd obviously been locked down. Um, I actually got COVID as well. <laughs> uh, I actually caught it about two weeks before. So I was working at KR, teaching wrestling to the rugby team. Um, so I had to get tested. I got some symptoms and normally I would have just carried on. Um but because obviously we're working with a lot of rugby lads, I had to get tested before I was allowed in. I come back positive. Um, I had to have literally like two weeks off. And I was training with a few lads in the week up to the comp. So I know I got back on the Monday night and the fight was on the Saturday or the match was on the Saturday. Um, I remember doing some spire on the Monday night and I felt absolutely horrendous. Like it was only like for me, it just felt like a flu. Um, but I 'm asthmatic as well, so it picked up my asthma, so it hit my chest pretty hard for a few days so yeah, I was blowing out the cobwebs for a few days felt felt pretty rough to be honest, and then I got an infection in my knee so it was um the I went into that-
0: <laughs> well over <all> machine
1: we <laughs> yeah, the, the worst condition I probably could have been in
0: uh, where do we even begin with that like asthma and COVID time they go together quite nicely like regards your cardio in the match itself how did that hold up was it sort of you survived back to um, what you got your base or is it just a bit like okay this is going to be a long, long match after that
1: say that again mate you broke up though mate Sorry. yeah
0: signal went more short yeah. same with um, the COVID and the asthma how was your cardio in the match itself did you manage to hold up alright in yourself because again you can't really see it on the stream it's sort of where would you manage to how were you in the match itself with that
1: it was all right, matter. It didn't actually affect me at all. It was, um, like I said, when I come into that last week up to the match, because I hadn't trained, literally hadn't trained for two or three weeks because of the COVID, I kind of seen that week differently. Normally, I'd train really hard up to, say, like a week prior. And then I'd start to taper it just a little bit, um, maybe like five or six rounds instead of doing as many as we normally do. Um, all intense rounds with a bit of rest whereas this time it was kind of need to clear all this out of me or probably more mental than anything but I kind of attacked that week so I had a really hard week that week just so I knew I could at least go hard for what was meant to be 10 minutes but they changed it to 8 minutes last minute um, I just needed to know myself that I could actually just push a pace for 8 minutes and I didn't, didn't feel it at all mate to be honest
0: I mean, there's a lot in that in itself is really interesting. Obviously, like tapering off and doing a little more condensed, I want to say, for make it sound almost intentional. But like when it comes to obviously you're competing in judo and everything else, you're used to the full preparation, not even so much a camp, just constant kind of graft. Like do you reckon, I don't know, having a less intense camp as such for these competitions might do you a bit better just having that bit of recovery to then explode on the day itself? Or do you feel you need to have like be battle tested so much going
1: up to it? No, no. Especially because the thing that's different with judo and doing some more grappling events now is, especially on like the invitational stuff, you just got one match, so it's um, like that was one eight-minute match. So, like you said, I don't know if it's from when I was doing my judo and stuff. I just train all the time. Like, I don't have camps or anything. We just I'm training five, six nights a week or days a week, every week. So, I know I'm always in condition to be able to go hard for eight minutes. Um, if we've got matches coming up, so if we've got matches in the gym, we'll have, we'll attack it for like, say, six to eight weeks. But when I say attack it, we'll probably just a bit of pressure work and stuff like that. Um, that's, that's the only thing we'd change in comparison to normal training, because... We train hard when it's needed. We train clever as it is. Um, so we're all in condition for when we have matches coming up. Um, I just like on a competition week, the only thing I'll change, like I said, was just instead of, say, doing a standard 10 flat out rounds, I'll do five, I'll do one on, one off and just focus on being as the intensity as high as I can for each round rather than cruising through 10 apart from that, I don't really change anything from training all year anyway.
0: I mean, there's a lot in this I sort of want to go into a lot of. because, again, when it comes to, obviously, the intensity, the frequency, the specifics, and, again, obviously, with the Uchikomi sort of style and, um, due to, obviously, the build-up, you used to all the entry drilling, that kind of pace, and, again, the constant kind of, I don't know, intensity of training as a whole. Like, do you do a lot of positional rounds? Do you do a lot of, like, entries in the same kind of way? So say, with your subs, for example, we do a lot of entry drills, the same kind of Uchikomi sort of style, like regards to specifics, for example, so go. There's a lot of things in one question there, but do you do a lot of specific sort of positional stuff, or is it just constant open rounds? What's your usual competition class look
1: like? I prefer open rounds, mate. Like if I was prepping for a comp, I think the main, the main bit is the pressure work that I like to do. I like to do a lot of pressure training. So starts coming up to a comp, I like putting people out in the middle and. Like, one we used to do at Cambly all the time, it was basically a standard session at Cambly with a duo. was, um, like, a normal sparring session would be six bodies out front, six people out front, and they'd get a fresh partner. and you'd fight them for two minutes. You'd do that, like, two or three times, and the person who comes out on number two or number three would stay out, and they'd do their three minutes. So you you got you kind of got used to getting fresh bodies all the time. Um so like if we have a normal training normal training week, it'll just be more or less just open sparring, kind of relaxed. You can go as hard or as light as you want, because so obviously people are at different stages of whether they've got a comp coming up or whether they've just had a comp and they need to take it a little bit easier. Um, but in terms of comp week, I like, uh, like I said, everyone's in good conditions it is, but just the only small thing I'll change is the pressure work, just... I think a competition environment's different to training I think and I think that's why you get a lot of people who are really good in training and then it comes to a competition they're not quite the same I think it's a, diff- a slightly different environment, you have them different nerves and a little bit of anxiety and it's about controlling that and I think the closest you can get to that can be them shark tank style pressure training where you know people are coming out and going after you and you've got to kind of get through that so yeah that's what I'll try and do mate about two weeks out and then as I said the week off and just taper it high intensity whatever nice short and sharp I
0: mean that's a very prominent point in itself that kind of conversion from the mats to the actual arena or venue whatever it is in itself and again train my guys like Danny Williams that Campbell, sort of people who fought in these big stages again what are your sort of reference points for your conversion in that? Because again, you're saying about the pressure testing itself. Do you find that something that affects you quite a lot? The intensity of the event itself? Do you find the build-up? How would you find... What would you find the biggest difference other than the actual venue itself that really, you think, becomes a factor for you in itself?
1: For me, it was always... I've, I've lost matches because I've won... Like, it could sound crazy to some people, but because I wanted to win so much, There's been times, and I had to control that. I've I've always worked hard. That's one thing I've always kind of set for myself, is that I work as hard as I can. So my mindset was always, and still is, if I work so hard, obviously clever, so I'm not burning myself out, but when it's time to work hard, if I'm working so hard, then I kind of give myself no excuse to be able to win that when I get there. Feel like I've earned that, so there's no reason I can't go and perform. But there's been times where I've kind of wanted to win that much, I'm really focusing on the event, the event like four to six weeks out, and it's too early. I think um, from learning them lessons, I think the way it's happened the best for me is where I'm just I'm training hard, I'm doing everything right, but I'm enjoying it as well, and the competition's not in my mind. Say like four six weeks out. And then we just start getting a little bit more specific on, especially with the grappling, you can know which opponent you've got. You can start working a few specifics on how they play their game. With judo, it was a little bit different. You didn't know the draw till the night before. Um, But yeah, I'd just say for me, in terms of my mentality, what's cost me in the past is kind of building up the event too much. And when it actually gets to the event you've kind of thought of it a million times and you actually felt pretty tired. Um, and I kind of lost the excitement of competing in that event when it was important. So I've had to learn to handle that myself and not think about an event till I kind of start zoning in a little bit about one to two weeks out. That's what's worked best for me from now, really. So with that then, so
0: again, I kind of get I think I understand what you're saying in the sense of, okay, you're getting the pre like match nerves like eight weeks out sort of thinking okay shit, i've got a comp oh wait a minute it's like eight weeks out okay seven weeks out okay still the whole by the time you get you're so burnt out and sort of fatigued mentally on top of your actual training anyway so i mean the way you sort of said about just not thinking about i mean that's a bit of a luxury i mean that's not quite as easy as i'd imagine actually is to not think about it regards of your training and trying to make sure you're not fatiguing in that sense obviously the shark tanks, everything else. Is that the usual sort of like cycle of training? Is there things you bring in at later stage now to make sure that works out? Are you doing any specific stuff? Because again, guys like Sam Quinn, you know, the sort of guard player and the leg locks, that kind of stuff. Again, do you get specifics at any point in your camp to try and make sure you have that separate point to worry about?
1: Yeah, like I don't go massive on specifics. So in terms of like actual specifics, say for Sam, Sam I know attack the legs a lot from on his back. So if we're going specific, like the only thing I looked at was just a couple of things on leg lock defence. Um, when I go into a match, I like to just try and push my game. Um, again, that's another way I like to think of it, which helps me is I've turned up in good condition. I'm going to go as hard as I can with my game. And if that's enough, it's enough. And if it's not, not really else anything much more I could have done. Um, I've built my game as much as I can for this moment and I'm going to push my game and if it's dealt with it's dealt with if they can't deal with it then I've earned the right to win that match Um, yeah so I find that sort of approach helps me to go in um, in a lot better mindset and enjoy it more as well I think you've got to enjoy it as well I think people let the nerves get the better of them and it affects the performance and that's why you get we used to call them Randori champions so you get people who are unbelievable, inspiring, and you'd fight him and you think, you know, I don't want to fight him, I'd hate to draw him in a competition. And then you do and it's, it's a different person that you're fighting against. Um, and all that is, is that I just think it's down to the nose. Um, in terms of the shark tank stuff that you asked about, um, I'd just probably do that, say, four weeks out from a competition. If I was looking at, say we've got, and this is for big comps as well, like, if we've got the lads, some of the lads in the gym will do like domestic competitions um, like we used to do with the judo. We'd travel around as a team. do like the Welsh Open, English Open, Scottish Open. We'd train through them events and sometimes we'd even fight up a weight. That was just competition. Like we'd treat that as training matches in a competitive environment. It's almost like test matches really. Um, when we're peaking or peaking as such, that was only for the big events. So your British Championships, National Championships, European Championships, Commonwealth Games, all your World Cups and your B tournaments and stuff like that. would peak for them. Um, we'd all be in good condition as it was. So say four weeks out, we'd maybe do some tank stuff, pressure training. You get really hard for say two weeks. That last two weeks would be real intense when you were on, but really short, plenty of rest. And your strength conditioning simulated that as well. So your strength conditioning ended up being a lot of power work. So uh, low intensity, but very sharp. Uh, Low load, sorry, but very sharp. And then the same, we do a lot of conditioning on the rower. Your rowing would end up being real short bursts. And you'd have a decent bit of rest every time as well. So... The s sort of simulated aspiring as well in, in terms of being real short and sharp.
0: It's interesting you are saying about using domestic comps. It's not such a feeling out process, but more that building that competition experience as such. Because I had yeah. Chelsea Leon, she was talking about how her students sort of have to be ready for like, could not have to be, ideally ready to sort of take a, a local comp on a sort of, you know, on like a day's notice saying yeah you're roughly in shape for that but then you step up that next bit for a proper actual comp like one you actually respect a lot more now regards of your training because obviously the same kind of guys are all training together trying to peak at the same time I'd imagine the randori gets very similar do you go out of house for your rounds quite a lot would you do like any way of making sure the rounds are varied as such
1: as in like going to other places
0: yeah it's the sense of okay say if you spar the same guys day in day day out you're going to have similar sort of transitions so would you but I don't know, would you try and go have like a, almost like an inner club kind of thing to try and get that extra bit of uh, competition stage?
1: I'm massive on club. I call it club visits. Like, I'm massive on that. Like, I know there's, there's quite a few clubs that don't like the, the people that the training with them to go out of that group. But I think, mate, you 100% need it, especially in like any sort of judo wrestling Jiu Jitsu grappling game. It's um, there's so many different styles. Like I've only really seen that mindset since I've started a Jiu Jitsu gym. Um, Cause Judo, Judo, traveling's like a massive part of the game. So we go to France as Campbell and we go to France monthly. France is a really strong nation for Judo we go there monthly. We'd all stay in the Formula One, which is over the road from the French Institute. And we'd do a week sparring there with different styles, different bodies. And you absolutely need that. It's, um, you tra- like We train real hard at the gym. But even now, I've said to everyone that we're training with, once we're back, we're allowed to train again from lockdown. Uh, one of the first things I'll be doing is monthly just be hiring a minibus and we'll all be jumping in and travelling to. I've got some mates at ASW, so Cameron Atakura. That's one gym we'll be going to 100% quite often, just to break it up a little bit because, like I said, we train really well, but we're all close now. Without realising, we all know each other's styles. You get away with certain mistakes that people catch you out with at other gyms. And also just for everyone else in the gym to actually see how other people train, because um, obviously, like, because I'm not from Hull, I don't know anyone in Hull. People have kind of come into the gym and they've all just started training. how I want to train. Which for us, it's either a technical night or it's it's a hard night. Um, and there's a lot of people that's bought into that. But the will, I couldn't imagine. There's going to be some people that come in after working all day and think, why are we training like this? And it's almost for them people to go to the style of gym that I want to build, which is an ASW style gym, and see the work rate that them places have as well. So they can see that there's other people doing that and what they're going to compete against in these domestic events. So I think the the club visits are vital, mate, and I don't really understand people that don't like sparring out of that house because like you said you just get still and you get away with making mistakes
0: so before i go on a massive tangent we'll start with um shout out to cam at asw absolutely sound bloke got a lot of time but yeah it's so <laughs> jiu is our favorite cult i think everyone seems to accept it as a cult and it's just how it is and people have these weird mindsets But I think the way you're sort of describing that sort of technical night, hard night, I think that works really well with that sort of one club mentality in itself, quite ironically, that if you're training with you five, six times a week, you're on the same cycle of, okay, we're resting the same nights, we're going hard the same nights, the same kind of thing. So it kind of, I don't know, not invites that as such, but it's a nice way of going about that. Like It makes sense that if you're investing all this time with one person, you can then get more out of that. Um, it is interesting that like how do you find still being coachable yourself obviously having the wealth of experience you've got in the judo the way you're coaching obviously going to the different sparring events like, how do you find being coachable in yourself?
1: Like I've got, I've got loads to learn um, and I always will have for me and I think as soon as you stop being coachable your time's limited especially if you're still competing so for me I've started travelling over to AVT just before lockdown. I'm doing some work with Danny Mitchell over there and the lads over there. So it's um, obviously now it's the first time I've had my own place. Um, if I wasn't competing still and hoping to do things still, then I'd be fine just to coach. I've um, got enough stuff to build a good team and build our gym sort of game. But for myself, I know I've still got to keep broadening my horizons a little bit, and again, it's for different styles as well. Grappling against different people, learning, picking little things up from different people. Um, so yeah, mate, I'll always, I'll always be up for learning. I'm, I think it's the judo, the judo mindset of get out there and pick up what you can. Um, practice against as many different styles as you can, and I think as long as I'm training myself, that's the way I'll always be.
0: It's certainly important having that sort of attribute in itself because again, if you're imagine if you came from this neo traditional kind of jujitsu world of yes sensei, you know, this is um <laughs> only here, I'm not gonna be a crean this kind of stuff. It gets a bit exhausting, you get a bit limited. Yeah. But it's good that you're managing to stay open in this kind of thing in itself. Obviously we won't name names, but you know, there's quite a few like that. It's one of those Yeah, basically.
1: I don't understand it, mate, like I said, it's um I can't I genuinely can't think of anything worse than go into a competition and I've only trained with the same people. Like, if I have a match coming up, mate, like, I'll I'll look for local gyms that I've got good, some good people. Like, uh, before, I fought with Sam, so, it was a while before obviously I got ill. But, like, I message Lloyd Cooper. Mm. Went down and did some rounds with him because it's just a different style. Like, my style is a million miles away from being traditional Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's um, judo, a bit of freestyle wrestling. of freestyle wrestling, A bit, no, of, a bit of catch <laughs> wrestling. It's, just, it's predominantly a pressure style, for sure. So Lloyd's style is completely different. When he's on his back, he's attacking your legs. And it was great to have that because if I was just to stay in my gym now, the style that I'm teaching to everyone is this pressure style, be on top, pass, pressure pass, submit from on top, all different positions. If someone gets you on your back, look to sweep or submit, but create a scramble at least so you can get back on top. Whereas, so that means now everyone that I'm sparring with is trying that out on me. So we don't have that many people that are really, really, really big on staying on the back and attacking your legs. So if I was only to train in our gym now, and then I go and fight this leg-locking style, that's just going to stay on the back and attack my ankles, then and we're going to come unstuck pretty quickly.
0: I mean, this is a really interesting concept, and the fact you're really appreciating that quite openly is a, is a really good sign. The fact instead of having those kind of linear rounds, either you're being the hammer or the nail in the same kind of transitions. You're willing to go around that, being on the directional on the sense of guys like Lloyd, guys are proactively on the back, proactively going for your legs, not in a the bad position as you try them. You'd think being the bottom is just, you know, inherently quite a bad position. But again, if you've got people being more aggressive, because as much as you are competent on your back, it's more just, okay, this is their preferred game. And having that kind of variety in itself, I mean, the flip side of this then, once you've had these rounds with, Guys like Lloyd, guys like Danny Mitchell, and the rest of it. Do you try and implement some of the styles they've sort of implemented in the gym? Do you try other styles out in the gym, or is it always okay? This is what I'm going to compete with. I'm only going to use what I compete with in the gym. You see what I mean?
1: But in, when, like, in my own game, in your own from, training, yeah. yeah. I, I, wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back to my gym and teach the game if it wasn't my style. You know what I mean? But so I wouldn't. Say Lloyd, on about Lloyd, I wouldn't spar with Lloyd for a morning. Pick up some of these things and go back and teach. It's not, it's not my game. Um, I wouldn't like to teach the lads at the gym or everyone at the gym a game that isn't fully mine or that I know of properly. Because when people start coming up against problems with that game, if I can't answer them, then it's it's not good. if I was to go to another gym and pick up something that suited my game, mm. then 100% I'd bring that back into the gym and add it to what we're already building on. Um, what was your question again, Matt? So it
0: so meant it more in the sense of implementing and in you're inspiring than it was from a teaching point of view. Because again, once you have that more experience and worth of knowledge, you can then yeah. start teaching it and going in more detail. I meant more in the sense of, okay, normally I do the same sort of throws some of this sort of collar tie, this, that and the other. But this time I'm gonna get a two on one and go for this leg lock entry and see how it pans out.
1: Oh yeah, like inspiring, mate. I'm completely open. So inspiring, a lot of the sparring. I'll start seat in guard. I'll start seated um, in a competition. I'll never in a million years start seated. So in that sense, sparring to me is completely open. It's like um, I'm trying to get that mentality across to everyone in the club really because I think in some clubs you still go and it's people spar with you and then after it's like oh I did well with him like he only tapped me once and for me it's just it's sparring I mean I'm training like if we're doing 10 and we get to your 80th minute and I'm getting tapped out three that's good like for me it's training I'm training I'm I'm turning up to go as hard as I can on them nights. And for me, if, if I'm getting caught out with things 60 minutes in, then you'll, you're teaching me where I'm going wrong once I'm fatigued. So for me, that's that's a result. Um, but for training for me, it's all about I'm trying everything. I'm seated. I'm, I'm working a lot from Butterfly at the moment as well. Uh, but in a comp, I've never, ever... Plan to be in butterfly guard if someone gets from my back and a comp then I'm looking to get straight off it there's there's no secrets about that but in training mate I'll try everything and 100% if I was fighting someone with a different style and they caught me out with something then I'll, I'll learn how to defend that at the same time if it's if it's a technique that's not got a million steps and it's doable off my back then I'll I'll try it else in training as well yeah
0: this is what you want having that variety as well, have a bit of fun with it. Because again, training them out you are for long as you've been, you've got to sort of enjoy it, you've got to be able to mix things up. And a real reason behind that question is again a lot of the judo background is you've got the same sort of set of techniques, very systemic, and I'm gonna rinse these till I can get the highest level I can. But it's then where's that variety sort of come into? So it's more from that judo base to then have that open mindset to then build from there. And on top of that, when you go to compete, do you have the same sparring mindset of like, okay, I'll treat this like a sort of sort of role, see how it goes, play around with things as in the sense of I get my grips, feel things out or is it okay, I'm going to be quite malicious, I'm going to make sure I get it, make sure you know, I've got to switch yourself on quite a bit. Are you one of these to really, uh, what's your mindset when it comes to a competition?
1: So a competition, mm-hmm. uh, mindset for a competition is just about applying my game, basically. So, like I said earlier on, I'll apply mm-hmm. my push as hard as I can with that game and if if that game gets me the win I've put the work in to get that win if if the person that I'm against has got a way of dealing with that game then fair play to them really um, for me I find the best mindset for myself is to I've put all the work in I go 100% with my game and if it's enough it's enough on the day if it's not I'll come back and look why it wasn't and work on the next thing
0: so to sort of elaborate a bit more on that question, it's not so much the general overview of the situation itself, it's more when you're in there. So the intensity when you're sparring versus the intensity when you're competing, is it trying to stay composed, trying to stay relaxed and just see what happens? Or is it a bit more, not anger, a bit more, you know, intense, sort of, okay, I'm going to make sure this person, I've got a not that he's wronging me as such, but okay, a bit more malice in what I'm doing as such. Or are you trying to stay composed and calm and just be more cognitive when you're like, competing?
1: No, definitely is to initiate it really and uh, definitely an aggressive style so that's where it changes so for me training we train hard but relaxed in the sense of it's open Um, but then my sparring will change a lot in the last two weeks so all the way through a normal sparring session more than two weeks out I might be playing for a butterfly single leg X, mixing it up a little bit. That last two weeks, then it's about doing what I want to do. So being on top, pressure passing, looking for a submission. Basically just mauling someone until I get that submission. There's not many other ways to describe it. But, it is, it's an aggressive style and I'll always, competition, I'm going out to initiate what I, what I want to happen, basically, and push what I want to happen. Um, And that inspiring will simulate that the last two weeks up to composition.
0: competition. I mean, that is certainly important to have that level of intent, to really have a differential because you get a lot of people who are on the other side of it where they're trying to stay too relaxed, too composed and just not really giving it enough, not really pushing that pace, not really pushing the intensity, albeit from different positions, but not having the same kind of intent. And that's so, I don't know, like regards of judo competitions versus jiu-jitsu competitions, do you treat them as the same thing? Do you sort of think, okay... This isn't as intense as Commonwealth Judo. This is just like a local Jiu Jitsu tournament. I don't have to get the same respect, or as every comp, I don't know, the Olympics for you, like level of intensity for yourself?
1: Um, it does change. It does change. Like, from, to say, like, the match with Sam, I found it real hard to get motivated for that. Just because, and it wasn't anything to do with the event, it was the way it was with the lockdown. There's no crowd. Like for me, it's um, I love a crowd being there. It's um, you've worked really hard up to the event, and I kind of see an event as a chance of showing off in a sense. You've worked hard on in the gym, and you you kind of just showing off what what you've been doing. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that a lot of people enjoy about competing. Testing yourself and showing what you can do. Um, and for me, obviously, the bigger the stage, the more revved up I'll get for it. But in terms of mentality, almost treat them the same. Um, just them um, events, like when I'm saying domestic events, and we, fight, we used to fight up a weight for them. So we wouldn't wake up for them We just go in and whatever we and fight up a you get a little bit more enjoyment in them maybe um, I think at the time where I've competed in big events I can't say I've enjoyed them um, until they've been they've finished it's um, so much you've, you've built it up for a few weeks you're in, you've been you've a good strong opponent it's um, it all happens so fast and then I don't know if you really enjoy it until it's finished. Whereas the events that I've done that don't really have a big emphasis on them and not have to cut weight for them and stuff, then I enjoy them ones a little bit more. Uh, It's strange though, because I find, like that's another mental thing. I find I've performed a lot better in the past when I've managed to have that mindset where I'm enjoying the event. Um, My best couple of years judo was 2014 and 2015 and in terms of mentality and how we all were treating it at Campley at the time it's the most relaxed we ever was probably, we were training, training hard again but in terms of lifestyle and what we are doing in between, it was far from professional to be honest but the results came because we were kind of just flowing through it and enjoying it and we had a good group at the time so that's a different bit of an out, bit of different outlook but um, I've always performed better when I'm not building an event up
0: so there's there's a, there's a lot to really go into that I mean there's a concept thing at it's how the difference between the experiencing self and the remembering self the fact like the anxiety for the event almost outweighs the enjoyment of it I think, oh, it's yeah. not so much I'm glad I've done it so I'm glad it's not, I'm not, I don't have to worry about it anymore that's always a bit of a funny one but yeah. regards from a, a coaching point of view then when it comes to competition when it comes to obviously your experiences what sort of pressure would you like to I don't know, not imposing your guys, but a sense of, okay, do you try and calm them down and let them generate their own level of value to the competitions? Do you say, okay, this is the biggest thing in the world, you've got to make sure you take it seriously? Where do you sort of sit with your, I don't know, applying the pressure for the upcoming event, applying that anxiety as such, if you see what I mean? Yeah.
1: Like, I'd never put pressure on anyone. It's Mm. like, if someone's come in the gym and they've been consistent with their training and they've worked hard all the way through, then for me, as much as I want them to win, the result doesn't matter that much. Like, if someone's been real consistent and they've worked really hard and they're turning up in good condition, they've improved, they've been flying in the gym and then they go in and they make a mistake and lose, it happens. I mean, that's another thing that I've picked up from judo. Mate, I've 100% lost more matches than I've won in judo, 100%. So you just kind of get used to it. It's, it's not like some of these sports, like say MMA, where you might fight three times a year and you peak for every match. We were fighting every two weeks and half the times you were far from being peaking. So losing was almost a normal thing and you, just, you were always pissed off of it, but you came back, you learned and you moved on. So with people in the gym for me, it's just, just make sure you turn up when you do the work. And then when you get there, you've earned the right. Go and enjoy it. Go balls out of it. If you win, you win. If you lose, come back. We'll look what's happened. We'll work on it. And we go again. Um, one thing I don't like is if someone doesn't put the work in, then they lose and then they ask why. That's one thing I don't like. So it's, you get someone competing and they're training once a week and then they lose and they're like, oh, I've been training. I've been training once a week. <laughs> It's not to I mean, that's all I'll say to people in the gym. I'll be like, turn up, do the work. On the day, the work's been done. You just go on a play game, enjoy it. If it's enough, it's enough. If it's not, we come back. There's going to be another day you can have a crack at it as well.
0: I was going to say, they're showing up as much as the bin men do. So at that point, they're not really, you know, who's going to um, get the medal out of those two. But anyway, that's another conversation, I think. But it's, that definitely is a huge part of it because again you, you're the one who's on the match you're the one who sees who shows up and who doesn't now regardless of your coaching from like a technical point of view how in depth do you tend to go with techniques are you very much like john danaher you get your bum bag and your rash guard on you're telling all the sort of intricacies of all the different movements is it general concept is it okay quite layman and break it up build up from the sort of word go like what's your usual explanation process like for breaking down a technique
1: uh, what, as in breaking down the technique?
0: Yeah, like explain, like in a normal class, we're doing arm bars from side or something like this. Like, how in depth are you going to go with this? Is it build up from the same position in more detail? Is it concepts about general position stuff? Is it drill and kill? Just, What's your usual sort
1: of thing? I tend to um, work from the same position for a long block, like to the point where it probably gets boring. Um, because in the past I've been to a lot of gyms where you you go one week and it, you do some great techniques, then you go the next week and you do some great techniques again, but they're completely different. And for me, it's just my my way of learning. I need I I always write stuff down after every session, um, but I need to practice the same things for a long time for it to actually transfer to sparring and competition. That's the way I teach. I'll. I don't teach anything unbelievably complicated. It's all pretty straightforward, Um, but everything links. So if we're working from side, we might do four or five things from side control and then all on your partner's reactions as well, though. So not just a straight technique from a position, but you get the one technique from that position, but then they might react to that technique by doing this. So then we fall into this technique. So by the end of it, I try and work to a sequence where there might be six different techniques in that, but it starts from that same position. So pull a pressure game predominantly where we can be real good on the feet, so we can take down judo, wrestling, get on top, we have good pressure passing, and then we've got submissions from side control, mounts, we do a lot of cradle work, we work a lot on the daggy handcuff, front headlock, that's our main game Um, and my aim for that is for everyone in the gym to have maybe six techniques in all them positions that I just go through techniques and real sharp and they have a great idea of how the partner can try and defend each position. or And then they can go straight into something else. So by the end of a block, and a block on, and I don't mean all of them, a block, say a cradle block, could be eight weeks. But by the end of that eight weeks, I want to be able to put a three or five minute timer on where that person starts in cradle. And he might have four or five submissions from a near side. And then he'll transition to a far side. He's got four or five submissions from there. And then your partner might explode. So you take your cradle away. And then we know that we can climb over to mountain. The aim is for him to just be able to go and go and go with no pauses for three to five minutes. So then I think once you pause against someone at a decent level and your mind's blank and you haven't got any technique, in that moment you've lost your position. So we try and take that out of it. But like I say, it might take us... I'm, I'm fine going 12 weeks on one thing. It's a, I've, I've said that to everyone. Like, like, I'm sorry if this gets boring, but we're actually doing this so it works and you and in your spire and competition. We're not just doing it because it's cool. So you have to keep drilling it every week until we're bored of it and we know it well enough to then move on. So that's the way I'll teach something
0: certainly makes sense again having not just building a structure from where you start to where you want to go, but also in more depth and more substance behind where you go. And obviously the reactions are a huge point of this. I mean this is a premise by majority of these sort of martial arts is action reaction. And being able to sort of deal with that in itself. It's also I like what you're saying there about keeping a level of like being cognitive. Okay, I've got a position, I've got a transition autonomously, being the key word there. You can't think. So as soon as you think, it's like you a tug of war. As soon as you stop, yeah. they then get the extra inch back, and then so on and so forth. Is then trying yeah. to make sure you stay that bit further ahead. Now, is that something you've developed yourself from your own training? Is it something you've been coached specifically, or is it something you've adapted to that kind of style of drilling, that kind of structure of building up?
1: Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think the higher the level, the more it's just got to be second nature. So I think obviously because we were at a decent level in judo. We had to train like that because with our furrows, if we were half a second behind any technique, if I hit a foot sweep and someone steps off it, and I'm half a second before my second entry, I'm not getting it. The people I was competing against, you're not getting it at all. They've already gone and they're probably even attacking you. So we just, at can believe we do technique three to five times a week through the day, and the technique sessions didn't change. Like at that level, we had our techniques, we had our go to techniques, and the sessions got to a point where a technical session would be six three minute blocks. So, Danny Williams, who you've, you've had Danny on here, you? Mm. he was my training partner. So, for three minutes, I'd hit three reps of a technique. Danny had hit three, three reps of a technique, do that for three minutes, another minute, quick drink, go again one more technique. We might do that for three techniques to three technique, one technique each block for three and then you'd repeat it and the sessions didn't change from that in technique um, as long as I was there, so like six years. So, it's um, to a normal, your average practitioner, that'd be really boring and it was some mornings some mornings you just come in and you just have literally just bang an espresso because you knew you couldn't just float through it because it was boring. So even though it was the same, same, same thing, you had to attack it with intent. So you were practicing it how you do it inspiring. So I think a hundred percent that that mentality has come from the Judo and knowing that if you actually want it to work at a good level, it's it's gotta be boring. It's gotta be. It's gotta have the ass drilled out of it. To be honest, that's how I look at it. So and that's how I've tried to put it across to everyone in the gym. If you want this to actually work and you do want to be good, then we've just got to just got to drill and drill and drill until it's second nature. And I always say it's to a lot of our beginners as well. We're just drilling and drilling and drilling, and one day it'll just click and. They don't know which clicked when they catch something and they don't realise how they ended up there. That for me is when it's, they're getting towards a good level. So they, they catch a submission and they think, I don't even know how I ended up here. when they do it without thinking, and I think we're getting somewhere near where it needs to be.
0: Come with a hand resting. How did they get here? Wait a minute, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> how, how did they get here? <laughs> it's one of those ones I think the real key detail of that is drilling properly because as you were saying yeah. there like if you just sort of coast with it and flow like okay you're that bit, your tempo's off you're practicing bad habits so I like yeah. the way you're making it very clear that okay yes it is but not unless we've got to do it properly because yeah. the reps are one thing but quality reps are more important above everything else and this is where the whole process is really I don't know a lot more substantial a lot more significant the fact it's what comes fast won't last that kind of thing in The a sense you're really drilling home things that real sort of core fundamentals and when he said technical session initially it sounded quite like almost like a rest session or such like you know there's fight like a word for rest like technical or you know it's sort of skill work we're going to call it yeah. but no that sounds still pretty intense that sort of pace that sort of intensity it in itself now there's a few things i wanted to go into with this I'm sure i lost my train of thought i almost lost my train of thought i shout out our sponsors the english hypnotist um Rico Clothing and the People's IT. Shout out to those guys whilst I try and remember what I was going to go into. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a few things with us anyway. Regards of like post-lockdown and training for you guys and competing. Like where do you, do you give the, your students the opportunity to compete? Do you say, okay, there's a one coming up and so-and-so, everyone's welcome to it. Is it a case that they have to approach you with it? Is it something that's all independent because again, you're saying with the judo, your guys are like, you know, one big team, we all go to the same comps together, we're all getting the minibus, we're all going to be this. Is that something you want to imp- impose with competitions as a whole? Is it selected people? What's your sort of gym s- situation with competitions? Obviously post yeah,
1: For me, mate, it w- I want to get it as close as I can to what Cambly was. Cambly, atmosphere-wise, everything, coaching her, They've got it absolutely bottled on. And that's what I'm trying to build in terms of team atmosphere with this. And that's why we'll be doing the travelling to different clubs as soon as we're allowed. In terms of competition, though, like we said before, just no one has to be a high level to compete for us, but they have to be putting the work in. So someone that comes in once a month, they come up to me and say, oh, I want to compete, can I compete for the gym? I'd just say you're not ready, like not in a bad way, but just you're not ready. You're going to go, you're going to lose and then you're going to ask why. And the answer that I'll give you back probably won't be that nice. Um, for me, as long as you, you're turning up and you're training, I love people when they ask, when they ask to compete. I love people that want to represent the gym um, and all I ask of them is to be consistent with the training when they can compete, they can try and show what they've actually learned. Because you need to, they need to be half-prepped. So I think the thing with Jitsu where it's a little bit different is you can compete to your belt. So obviously, someone comes from our gym who's a white belt, they're only going to be fighting a white belt. I know you do get the white belt to 10 years, but hopefully, if a white belt comes out of our gym, then... They're fighting someone of a similar level, so there's that to think about. That's different to judo. Um, judo, you just you're in fighting anyone according to your age and weight. So um, yeah, as long as people turn up and doing the work, I'll tell them if I think they're ready for a, a, a competition, whatever whatever belt they are, and then I'm more than happy happy for them to represent us.
0: You do get a bit of sandbagging, don't you? you get the Premier guys, cauliflower ears <laughs> with the white belt tied like a school tie. Yeah. And you know, you know, it's get- a
1: thin <laughs> line, though. I think it's a thin line, though, because I don't like belts give, being given out really easy either. You know what I mean? Like I've i fought with some black belts, and they're not, you know what I mean. I don't like that. Like I, I want I do one hour gym to be a gym where if people come and club visit us and they fight like we've got loads of blue belts at the moment um and they come and practice with our blue belts i'd love it if people are walking away from our gym saying fucking hell blue belts in there are absolute animals like so it is a thin line um i wouldn't just give out belts for no reason um I do want everyone to be as, as good as I can make them in each bracket or each belt. But at the same time, yeah, there is some, some seriously experienced people fighting in some low belt categories.
0: Yeah, you see a few comps. Now, that's an interesting point in itself. Obviously, grading ambiguity is all over the place. And yeah. obviously, in judo, you've got to fight for your belt. Are you one for that as well? The sense of, okay, you have, like, say someone's four strike white belt, you're like, okay. You're gonna get shark tank, you've got to do X amount again and get your blue, or is it a case of general progression and you sort of okay, I know where you're at. We we'll just drop you every now and then or whatever.
1: Yeah, I like the I like the idea of fighting for a belt, but I just think I think there's two there's two there's two um how do you say it? There's two belts for me. So like Not everyone is going to be a competitive lap belt. And I'm fine with that. I don't think you have to be. I don't think everyone has to compete. We've got plenty of people in the gym now that will probably never compete, and that's fine. I'm more than happy for someone to turn up after work, learn some jiu-jitsu, still get a good workout. And I'll still grade them. Um, I don't think you have to fight. My preference is to fight for it. But I think... If someone's just not that way inclined and they're not interested or they don't like that confrontation part or the competition part and they just do it to enjoy, then I also think there should there should be a pathway as well for people that get it through just knowledge because I know a lot of people who don't like competing. They don't like fighting, but they just like learning it and they could probably be, be great coaches as well because they've been on a match so long. You've got so much knowledge of technically, they could be great coaches I don't think I think there is definitely a side to coaching where you've got to know how to handle competition and the change in preparation for a major competition but in terms of belts like my preference would 100% be to fight for it but that's definitely a biased opinion because I've always fought for my belts but in terms of how I see it, I have no problem if someone has been on a mat 15, 20 years and they can show a load of great techniques. I've got no problem with that person being graded all the way through.
0: See, this is an interesting way, the fact you've identified that bias of, you know, your own background versus the potential field of sort of areas. I feel a lot of people lose that. They sort of think, okay, you've got to do this one way, otherwise it doesn't work. It's not like legit. It's not whatever. <laughs> like Helio would just spit in his grave or <laughs> whatever. I don't know. It's one of these ones. It's not quite jujitsu. And it's so important to have that reminder that, okay, it's not just one thing. It's sort of the principle of development as a whole. And do you think it's worth having, I don't know, maybe even separate coaches, one for the competition classes, one for the technique stuff, one for the like, general class in itself? Because again, when you've got that level of, not that it's an essential, but the sense of, okay, someone is a specialist in technique, someone's more competition-oriented, that kind of way inclined.
1: Yeah, to an extent, yeah. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't like someone to run a competition class who, who hasn't competed. Because just for the way we spoke about before, the changes in intensities and stuff of the training, just from a personal point of view, if I'm in the middle and I'm being real pushed, And I'm getting pressure training. Just for my own self, I like to, the person who's doing that and making me go through that as being there and done it myself. I do like that side to it. Um, For me, someone that competes, and they've competed in the past, it's just a personal point of view as well. I'd be happy for them to do it all, obviously, to show the techniques, teach them classes, prep people ready for competition. Then on the other side, the other, the other side we were talking about were we should have a real technical person. Absolutely fine for someone like that. I'd be absolutely fine for someone like that to teach technique at our gym. I think knowledge of techniques, I don't think, needs competition. I think if a person's been in a gym for a long time and learn some massive repertoire of techniques and they can deliver them really well and they've done a lot of sparring just because they've not been to a competition don't mean they can't help some people coming into the gym who want to learn some technique uh, I think the competition side of it's a little bit different which is why I probably wouldn't let that person prep someone on them latter stages but everything else other than that I wouldn't see a problem
0: And that's, again, it's so important to remember, keep it specific for the general thing itself. I remember what I was going to ask you earlier about the journaling. How specific is your journaling for, is it post, is it just training in general? Is it over technique stuff? Is it every competition? What does your journal tend to look like? Is it quite in depth? Is it like a bit of a venting thing for you? Is it detailed reminders? What is your journal as such?
1: Um, In technical wise, I've wrote everything since since I was a kid. I don't even know who told me to do that or if anyone ever did but I've always wrote everything. So I've got books and books and books. And when I look back, I think the only reason I actually do it now is when I'm initially writing it, it's almost revision for me. So like, say I've learned some techniques, I will write down everything that I've learned that session. And it's almost revision for me. And do you know what? I've probably never even looked back them notes, it's not like I go back and read through everything again, it's just something I've always done and it's always stuck with me. Um, so I'll always write down, if I learn something new it's written down. Um, I always write down what I teach in classes as well. So like when we were on about before, trying to build sequences, there's that many different sequences that we go through. I'll always write a sequence down. So if we're we're practising something, let's say from front headlock, sometimes I've got in mind what I want to teach. But then depending on how the session goes and everyone's progressing, we'll just end up making a random sequence out of it. So if we've practised five techniques and they're all building on from each other and then we turn that into a sequence, I'll write that sequence down because we do that many different sequences. I want to be able to go back in a year's time and just go through them again. So I'll write them down for that reason. Um, I used to be more specific when I was doing the judo. I used to, when I was sparring with people that I could potentially fight in the future on big competitions, I'd literally write down everyone that I sparred with that day. This is on, like, international training camps. And I'd make notes of whether that person was right-handed, left-handed, what the gripping style was like, whether it was sleeve lapel, it was over the top and it was unorthodox. Uh, What sort of techniques they went for. So then if I draw on that person, like I said, with the judo, it's not like MMA and grappling where you can know your opponent three months out or longer. It, you'll know the night before. So you, you weigh in, then you'll get your draw. About, oh, sorry, you'll get your draw before weigh in. So you'll get your draw about 6 p.m. And you're normally fighting that person 10 a.m. the next day. So it's always good just to be, all oh, right, I've got him. What was he doing last time? And then you can find a little video on YouTube and basically confirm what you'd already written. But, yeah, in terms of notes, I'll always write something down if I learn something new. I'll always write down what I teach. Um I used to write down my opponents, things that they used to do, and then... I'll always make notes at the moment what, what I'm trying to build to in the future. Just to remind myself why I'm doing it every day. But that's it really, make me notes.
0: With um, the competition itself then, so that's a lot of the preparation building up to it. Do you break down your performances after the fact as well?
1: After the event? Yeah, yeah. No, so after the event I used to do video. So I'd look back at the at the match whether I'd won or lost, I'd always watch it back. And just look at, I think even when you win, it's great when you're watching it back, you can see things that you've missed, that you've been doing in training, what you've been working on. It was there for you and you didn't do it. So I'll always kind of analyse the match after, look what could have been done better, and then make sure it's done next time. Okay,
0: it is interesting the level of detail going into that as well. Now, obviously, international camps. I mean, the amount of books you must have gone through. I mean, competing every week again, all these different trips all that's over true. the place. <laughs> the amount of trees you must have gone through. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's one of those ones. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Where can people find you on the on social media?
1: Uh, on, yeah, I only really use Instagram now, so that's just in Libsda. And then the gym is at Carlson Gracie Hull.
0: Amazing.